changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey, it's Amy Newmark with your daily dose of Chicken Soup for the Soul inspiration. It's Friend Friday, and today we have a special guest, one of my favorite people and a very important part of the Chicken Soup for the Soul family, Leanne Tiemann, who is the co-author of more than a dozen Chicken Soup for the Soul books, plus a whole bunch of other books that she's written. She is a Hall of Fame speaker. She's an author, as I mentioned. She's a nurse. But of course, I think of her mostly as being a wife and mother. She lives in Colorado. She's very sporty. She's always out there doing mountain sports and hiking and riding her horse. And she loves to hike and garden. And she's just an all-around fun person who I enjoyed visiting when I was out in Fort Collins a couple of years ago. So Leanne, welcome to this Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast, which has just started its second year. I am delighted to be a part of it. Thank you. And you know what's interesting? Today is March 3rd, and that is National Caregiver Day. So who better to talk to than the author of Chicken Soup for the Caregiver Soul? Well, thank you. (laughs) That was certainly one of my biggest privileges to help um, co-author that book, because caregivers are certainly a benevolent and sometimes oft-forgotten part of our um, of our world today. So I'm happy to call attention to them. Yeah, I know you sent me some statistics that are just amazing. Can you tell our listeners just how many of us actually are caregivers for someone in our family? Actually, 43 million. Can you believe that? 43 million people are being cared for. Um, our, our caregivers in this country, um, and 60% of them are women. So um, that kind of tells us the burden that is on us um, because we are not only a sandwich generation, I've kind of coined the term a club sandwich generation because sometimes we are caring for our parents and then our parents' parents and maybe our spouse's parents' parents and our children and their children. So I think it's particularly um, stressful for women today. I've been going through it myself because my mother, as you know, died two months ago. It was quite unexpected. We were not properly prepared, although I don't even know if you can be prepared because elderly people who you're related to tend to be really stubborn, (laughs) you know, and they don't always discuss anything with you ahead of time or allow you to even have the conversation. So now we're trying to get my father to move out of his house where we've arranged 24-hour care for him, which is very expensive. We're trying to move him into an assisted living. It's just so hard. You know, it's very hard. It's it's hard, especially, certainly when we're in the same city with them. And so many people like you have to do sort of long-distance caregiving, and that's even hard. And, And I think the thing is, it's hard on our bodies, minds, and spirits. Number one, we're exhausted because of the strain, and and there's mental strain that goes with that. Number one, just the loss of your mama. I mean, that's a tremendous emotional burden. And then to have a parent, the other parent, you know, relying on you, and you barely sometimes have time to grieve before you're thrown into caring for the second parent and then dismantling a home. And if your parents are anything like my mom, she kept everything. And just the, um, you know, the again, the, the body, mind, and spirit toll that that takes on a person. Well, I am lucky in one respect. My parents actually only live 20 minutes away from me. So, oh, good. Yeah, so I don't have that long distance thing. I can't even imagine how awful that would be. I am able to, you know, get in the car, drive 20 minutes and be at my father's house. 
Uh, and I'm trying to put him in an assisted living that's even closer to my house. Oh, wonderful. And I do have a brother who's helping a lot. So I am lucky in that regard. Um, and I and we don't have financial problems, so at least I know we can afford the assisted living. I can't even imagine having all of these issues and then worrying about how to pay for it as well. But it's still awful. It really is. And I know it's affecting my health. And I actually was looking at some pictures of myself from a couple of years ago. And I look like I've aged so much in the last couple of years. And it's the last couple of years when even though my mother was still alive, that both of them became much harder to care for. And they're there was a lot of bad driving and irresponsible behavior and car accidents and not taking medicine right. and not following doctor's orders. And this has been going on for a while now. Well, and as you know, it's very stressful and, and stress does pay a big toll on our health. There's all sorts of information out there now that shows that people are under a lot of stress and then they usually don't sleep as well. And that can affect everything from our hearts to our cancer rates. It's, um, and certainly depression. Uh, for caregivers, about 40% of them say they have a major problem with depression. And that's, that's really a lot. And that, of course, takes a tremendous toll on a person's mind, but again on your body when that's such a stressor in our lives. Yeah, my mother was acting as caregiver for my father before she died. And she kept telling me how, how much stress she was under and how depressed she was. I think it definitely contributed to her lack of engagement in her medical care, which led sure. to her premature death. It is definitely a problem. So one of the things that I've been trying to figure out is what tips we can give to caregivers for two basic things. One, to avoid getting into the situation where it's this stressful, like what tips can they follow to somehow set up a lot of this stuff ahead of time? And then the other tips are how can they care for themselves while they're going through this? Well, the, the second part is what I can speak to even the most. It, my mom was the same way. We tried to engage her in conversation so many times, and she flatly refused. And we avoided the battles. That we thought, there's there going to be pain now with Mama while we confront her, and that's what it felt like it was doing to speak about those things, or end up having to battle it ourselves when she no longer could help us with that. And that's really kind of what happened to us as well, because she absolutely refused to engage in any of those conversations. And that can be extremely difficult, especially from, you know, the, the home standpoint and the financial standpoint. And the thing that I am most passionate about, as a matter of fact, as you know, it's what I speak about for a living and write about, is caring for the caregiver, caregivers and nurses. And the thing I I joke with caregivers, I nag them, not just suggest, I literally nag them to take care of themselves. And I having very specific things, I mean, to care for yourself as lovingly as you would care for somebody else. And I remind them, you would never deny your, your, the caregiver recipient a food and drink or sleep, and yet we do that to ourselves. And um, reminding them to, to get a little exercise every day. And when they tell me, oh, I can't, I'm, I'm homebound, and, and I tell them, yes, you can. You can go up and down the steps 10 times, or you can take cans of vegetables, and one in each hand, and do upper body strengthening. I, you have to take time. Um, and sleep is such an important thing. And if without it, people really do grow um, very ill. They get high blood pressures and um, increased depression and even shorter lifespans. And and sleep is a really difficult part of it often for the caregiver. And I remind them then to really ask for help. And that's the hardest thing to do. But sometimes you actually have to have someone come in and, and help and support you so you can take naps, so you can get sleep at night. And often caregivers just have a hard time asking for the help they need. 
And people will give it and they want to offer it, but they just don't know how. And I think if people do offer you help, you have to take it. If you turn them Absolutely. down, you're really disrespecting them. Exactly. They want to do something. They, and that's a really good way to say it, Amy, disrespecting them. They really want to help. Often people think that they just say it casually. Well, let me know if there's anything I can do and how hard it is then to speak up and say, well, as a matter of fact, <laughs> I'm right. so tired of TV dinners. If ever you make an extra batch of soup and wanted to bring me the other half, I would be so grateful. If ever you have a chance to just come and sit and talk to him while I take a walk around the block, that would be so helpful. You know, people really do want to help. Um, they just need to reach out and, and accept it. Yeah, I've been using my father's remaining friends. He's 88, so there aren't that many of them. But the remaining ones who are lucid, I've actually been emailing them talking points. And they call him up, and then he talks about assisted living, and then they say, oh, yes, I've heard that place is very nice. And everybody's helping to move him towards the right conclusion, which is to move out of his house oh, and into assisted living. Good. Yeah, so that's how I've been using people. And the other thing I did, and I know this sounds a little bit mean of me, but it fits right into what you said, where you're not going to be a good caregiver if you can't sleep. The moment my mother was hospitalized, I went down to my basement and I unplugged my home phone line in the basement so that my father can only reach me on my cell phone. And it goes on silent at night because he's the master of the redial button. And he would call me at three in the morning to discuss his heating system if I let him. And that's not mean. That's the, I say there's a difference between being selfish and being self-caring. And that's exactly what you're doing is you have to be able to care for yourself so that you can get to sleep at night so you can continue to be a good caregiver. Yeah, it's it's really it's really tough. My mother, oh my gosh, I tried like two years ago. She had a car accident because she didn't take her diabetes medicine. And then she did take it all of a sudden and then had a drop in blood sugar. And so she passed out at the wheel and totaled her car. And I hired her a driver. The second day that she had the driver, she had the driver take her to the Toyota dealer. And she bought a new car. <laughs> but this time it was a red one. So and I said at that point, I said, you know, these people are impossible. They're like teenagers who you can't ground, who have their own money. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And they do those things just to be so defiant to show their independence um, that I, I still am able to make these decisions. And by dang, I'll buy a car if I want to. Yeah. That is so funny. You hire her a driver and she takes <laughs> Yes, that's what she did. Oh. Now, my father, who can barely walk, last winter decided he was going to plow his own driveway. And he got on his tractor, and he drove down his steep driveway plowing it. And then he decided he was going to plow the road for the neighbors. And then he drove the tractor into a ditch. Oh, but this man God. can't walk. So then <laughs> he was in a ditch in, in the, with the tractor trying to walk back home down the road and then up his very steep driveway. Oh and he can't walk. I mean, he, he uses a walker, but, you know, he could drive the tractor. So, <laughs> so, so I've been thinking about it. Like going and uh, pulling the wire out of the battery or something, because I'm afraid he's going to try to drive the tractor around this year, too. They are impossible. We love them, but they're impossible. Exactly. But that's, you know, all the more reason. If you're not getting your sleep, Amy, then you realize, and you're not getting the food and nutrition and, and rest that you need, then you realize you really are not strong enough and, and capable enough to help continue to care for them. And that's the thing, is most caregivers don't know how long this is going to continue. Um, this isn't a this isn't a sprint. This is often a marathon that we're running. And do you know the other thing I like to point out to people is so often caregivers, um, I guess the way the official way they say it is, they don't self-identify. 
um, they don't realize they're a caregiver. I'm just his wife. Um, you know, I've been married 70 years, and this is my job. And or I'm the mother, and I guess I knew I had this child and that would require disabled care for the entire life, and it's my job. And they don't realize that they really are a caregiver. And when they do, there's all sorts of caregiving resources in a community. Um, the Area Agency on Aging, that is a requirement that every county has to have um, resources for caregivers. So once people realize that and they can reach out to resources in their own communities and they're going to find a lot more support than they ever knew was available. That's really interesting. So I want to, I've been taking notes while we've been talking and I want to summarize some of these points. And I think that's fascinating when you said that the very first thing you have to do is realize that you are a caregiver. And that makes a lot of sense because the first caregiver is usually a spouse. And then when that spouse dies, then the rest of the family becomes the caregiver for the surviving spouse. So first tip, realize you're the caregiver. Second tip, make sure you exercise. Third tip, make sure you sleep. Fourth, make sure you eat. Fifth, make sure you take time off. Sixth, accept help and ask for help. These are all things we would expect our our cared for person to do, and yet we don't do these things for ourselves. That's exactly right, because we're so benevolent. I often say the same qualities that make us the person who has that caregiver heart is often the qualities that allow us to be so altruistic that we put others before self to the point that it really is detrimental. And, And when caregivers don't take care of themselves, I can get to them when I say it this way. If you don't do it for yourself, do it for them. You're right. Because you cannot take very good care of them when you're exhausted. And you think you're fine this week. But this is a marathon, and we've got to take care of you today so you can be able to take care of them next week and next month and who knows but next year. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so Leanne, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm not sure I like the fact that you've just made me realize that this is a marathon, (laughs) but I think you're (laughs) right. I really appreciate you joining us on National Caregivers Day. It is always my joy and my privilege. Thank you. And thank you all for listening today. I'm Amy Newmark. Come back Monday. We're going to be talking about kindness and caring again, but this time in the context of kindness to strangers. And to learn more about Leanne Tiemann, please visit her website at Leanne Tiemann, that's L-E-A-N-N-T-H-I-E-M-A-N dot com.